welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase, Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops-Tay territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequetum-Ulu. And today's text, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, is set in El Paso, Texas, the traditional home of the Lipan Apache, Mescalero Apache, Piro, Manso, Suma, Jumano, Isoleta del Sur Pueblo, Piro, Manso, Tiwa Indian Tribe of the Pueblo de San Juan de Guadalupe, and the Tortugas Pueblo Peoples. Oh my Joe, gosh, Brenna. <laughs> I know, Joe, as you can tell, El Paso was a historical meeting place. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you warned me off, Mike, that <laughs> this was a lot. And I do think that's fascinating because unlike some of the recent texts that we've discussed, this movie and book do have a lot of value placed on a sense of location. Yeah, definitely. So with Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, which is by Benjamin Alire Sanez, this is a book about the Mexican-American experience, but it's also really specifically about this place in texas like Mm -hmm. the fact that this is where the boys come together against this landscape of very different ways of being mexican-american like Mm -hmm. there's a lot about like place and space and migration here that is really important you're totally Mm -hmm. right which which i love that you know not only a did i forget and was definitely like oh this is set in austin and you had to remind (laughs) me that no it wasn't they just go to a school that is called austin yeah But also, you know, there's a huge gap in the narrative when one of the characters goes to Chicago for the better part of a year. But Chicago is not a place in the book or the film. And I find that very interesting. Yeah, well, because everything is focalized through Aristotle and Dante's the one who goes away. So we get Mm -hmm. these great letters from Chicago, which very much read like, you know, it's like a travelogue. Yeah, I rode totally. the L train today. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And it's like, these northerners are weirdos. <laughs> like, there's a lot of that vibe, yeah. um, um, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, you're right. Because we are in Aristotle's body for the whole book, and Aristotle is definitely like anchored to this place and this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chicago barely gets a look in, really. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. So should I try to capture this... 400-page sprawling novel with a plot summary, Joe? I mean, here's the thing. I feel like at the end of the day, yes, I'm going to ask you to do so. But also, this is so much less of a plot book and more of a mood. Yeah. You know, we haven't had like a Just Vibes book in a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this really is, you know, it's this is about, it's particularly about Aristotle's character. Yes. I suspect that if you don't like Aristotle, this would be Ooh. a hard read, but yeah. I love him and could spend all the time I need in his brain. He's a tricky character. I mean, I think what you're couching is that at times he can be a little prickly. Yeah, well, yeah. And, you know, there's aspects of sort of internalized homophobia, but there's also sort of this just desire to be different, to be Mm -hmm. a different person in a different place in a different world that is sometimes grating because Mm -hmm. the thing about Aristotle is that his parents are great. (laughs) Oh, 
two sets of absolute banger parents in this book. <laughs> Film, yes. unfortunately, not quite as much. Yeah, unfortunately. But oh my gosh, if you're if you're like us, a fan of really good constructions of parents, this mm-hmm. is a fun one because they're not they're very different, but they're yeah. and they support their sons in very different ways, but mm-hmm. they're so readable. And so sometimes when Aristotle is like chafing under his parents you're like you have no idea how good you have it could you drop it you should see what's going on in some other books man like really if only you knew (laughs) if only you knew (laughs) um okay so i'm gonna do the long title one more time aristotle and dante discover the secrets of the universe a mouthful a mouthful and did you see what the sequel is titled joe dive into the waters of the world yeah yeah (laughs) i i literally just wrote in my notes aristotle and dante yeah. that was it <laughs> and i think that is what most people call the book series right <laughs> uh, which is fair so this book is set in 1987 which joe rudely told me makes it a period piece yesterday i was like absolutely not if i was alive it's not a period piece right now we are talking about a time that is more than 35 years ago <laughs> that seems also unkind for you to say out loud well yes <laughs> Um, so yeah, it takes place in 1987, the summer of 87 in particular, and then mm-hmm. into the summer of 88. And so there is a school year in between, but the school year Barely is matters. pretty immaterial. This is really about the ways in which when you are a teenager, you live and die by your summers. And mm-hmm. that is what's going on here. Aristotle Mendoza is our main character, and he's this really isolated boy, no friends, uh, really keeps to himself. Mm -hmm. He tells himself that it's because he kind of doesn't want to get pulled into the kinds of things that the other teenage boys in his Mexican-American community in El Paso are into. So like gangs and drugs and all that kind of bad stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what he tells himself. And we have this backdrop of a brother in prison. Which yes, we do not talk about him. No, and it takes a long time to get any details about it. Oh boy, Bernardo, we don't know you for so much of this text. Oh my god, so much. Um, but then Aristotle does make a friend. At mm-hmm. the public pool, a boy offers to help him learn to swim, Dante Quintana, and he becomes this sort of critical part of Aristotle's life. They become first best friends, and then... Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a queer love story. We're slowly, slowly, slowly. Slowly. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So long it takes these boys. I mean, here's the thing. Dante is quite a bit more comfortable in his own skin, although there's a reticence to admit where his feelings actually lie. You know, even when he goes to Chicago, he talks about trying kissing girls and the girls seem to pick up, "Mm, something isn't quite right here. But Aristotle, it's like, oh boy, this is, well, this is a boy who does not want to acknowledge any kind of emotions. Yeah, it's interesting because the film really plays the internalized homophobia thing and that's important and it's in the Mm -hmm. book too. But it's more than that in the book. It's like, yeah, you're right. Aristotle doesn't want to have feelings. He doesn't want to, like, connect to other people. And Mm -hmm. yes, there's all kinds of baggage around being gay, but there's also just all kinds of baggage around, like, needing people and Mm -hmm. connecting to other humans and just the idea of, like, 
making out with anybody in general. And secretly, he's filled with yeah. rage, which so is a big tension spot between him and his mother, who is quite a bit more conservative Mexican-American. You know, mm -hmm. she worries greatly about him, and she imposes a lot of rules on him, which he rebels against, but also secretly kind of loves, like... I do love the the push and pull that mm -hmm. Aristotle has with his parents, where he both loves them, but also tries to push them away. Yeah, exactly. And, and even more so with his father, who... So the other piece of sort of emotional baggage in the text is that his father, Aristotle's father, is a Vietnam veteran mm -hmm. with a lot of internalized Ooh. trauma yes. from that, which... Again, it's almost like he's afraid to talk about any part of it because yes. he will never stop crying, which we sort of experience towards the end of the narrative. Mm -hmm. And so there's like all of this stuff that never gets talked about in the house. Like yes. Aristotle's house is a house of silence. And so mm -hmm. when he meets Dante's parents, Dante's dad <laughs> is a professor. They're really, really young compared to Aristotle's parents. Mm -hmm. Dante's their only child, at least at the start of the book. Right. And this house is just so lively and chatty and people mm -hmm. like argue and fight and disagree and all these things that don't happen in Aries' house. And so like the whole sort of grass is always greener, like this other family who he could kind of want to be with. And that, that creates more tension at home because he mm -hmm. really doesn't get how cool his parents are. Right. Um, so the major plot points, I'm not going to go into like big detail because we'll pick the ones we want to talk about, Joe, but... sure. We basically have a few key moments. One mm -hmm. is Dante tries to rescue like this bird. There's a whole thing about birds in the book, which yep. we may or may not get to. Dante tries to rescue this injured sparrow on the road on a rainy day. And a car comes and Ari pushes Dante out of the way to save him, but ends up his legs get run over. So he's Ooh. in the hospital for the rest of the summer mm -hmm. recovering. And so that's like one key plot point. Right. Just after that, Dante goes to Chicago for eight months as his father takes on a visiting professorship at the University of Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this really interesting dynamic between Ari's mom and Dante's dad because Ari's mom is a school teacher. She went to university. And every time she like thinks about Dante's dad, she remarks on how she never had a Mexican-American professor. Mm -hmm. Like the idea that this guy is teaching Mexican-American literature at the university is totally wild to her. Yes. In a good way. Like she she loves the idea of it. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, there's this whole thing about education in the book too. Yeah. So then the next big plot point, I guess, is Antophilia has a stroke and dies. Mm -hmm. And we find out after she's gone that Antophilia was a really important figure in Ari's life that when Bernardo went to prison – his mom had a breakdown mm -hmm. and he went to live with Antophilia and Antophilia like had a, a woman who was her lover for many, many years. Yeah. And so when they go to the funeral, almost none of the extended family is there. Mm -hmm. And that's when Ari finds out who Franny actually was and that the rest of the family just did not approve of it. Yeah. It's such an interesting piece of the book for me from a queer perspective mm -hmm. because you know, his mom is very careful to say, 
does this bother you? And it takes him a beat, but he ultimately says no. But he has also repressed that mm-hmm. entire time. Like he knew that he went to stay with them, but he thinks it was just for a little while. And it turns out it was like nine months. Yeah. So he has memories of this, but he doesn't remember or he didn't understand Antiphilia's queerness with Franny. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such an important piece of the book as well as his coming out process, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, at this point, Dante has already revealed in letters that he is experimenting with his queerness. It's very obvious to readers that Dante is in love with Ari. Mm -hmm. And when he says he's experimenting, it's clear he's thinking about wanting to be with Ari. Mm -hmm. And I think even Ari understands that, but he is unwilling to accept or process it. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I mean, we've not said this. This book is so well written. Oh my God, it's so so beautiful. It's just, it's so layered, all of these characters, much in the same way that we just had this conversation about La Boat Taipei, super, super readable, but also very, very complex. Yeah, and and there's all of these sort of, in the back half of the book, all these narratives of queerness that Mm -hmm. have been intersecting with Ari's life, but he's been sort of, whether actively trying to shut out or just didn't have the access to there's Mm -hmm. this moment when his mom says to him does this bother you before he answers his mom he looks at his dad he Mm. really wants to know if it bothers his dad and it doesn't and that's a really important moment i was saying to joe in a text yesterday that like i think what i love most about this book is that ari's family is everything that like a popular representation of this family would tell you they can't be right Mm -hmm. They're definitely troubled. They're not without their traumas, but they're also like accepting and loving and open people. And I just, mm-hmm. I love that dynamic so much. Yeah. I mean, we we haven't really addressed it, but obviously Ari has a lot of internalized homophobia, but there is the specter of homophobia mm-hmm. within the community, right? Like we we've not address the fact that one of the significant plot beats is that when Dante returns, he Mm -hmm. ends up kissing a boy that he knows, and he is the victim of a hate crime. And it's so bad that it lands him in the hospital. It's a big turning point in helping Ari realize that he does love. Yes, (laughs) just that. (laughs) And it's it's interesting because we basically have three plot beats, one after the other. So we have Mm -hmm. the death of Antophilia and the revelation about Franny. Then after the funeral, they finally tell Ari about Bernardo. And mm-hmm. we find out that Bernardo was arrested for the murder of a prostitute. He hired when he was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And Bernardo found out that the prostitute was, I mean, we would probably use different language now. It's a trans woman. Yeah. Yeah. In the language of the book, they don't use that language, but mm-hmm. he kills her with yep his hands like yeah he, in the, like a, what what would have once been a, that horrific queer panic defense right mm-hmm. like that's what we have happen and bernardo is in prison forever because of it and yeah. so yes antophilia and yes mom and dad but also bernardo like that's a huge specter to know that that's who your brother is and was yeah. and how he felt. And even though we know that Dante's parents are so loving and so warm, you know, they clearly have a very adept understanding of what's going on between these two boys. But 
Even Dante is afraid to come out to his father for fear of disappointing him and hoping that they have another child. You know, like when his mom gets pregnant, Mm -hmm. he's excited because he wants it to be a boy so that they can continue the family line because he knows he will never have children. Yeah, 1987, folks. Like, so there's, there's a lot about how Mexican culture is unwilling to accept queerness and Mm -hmm. it's a a sign that you're not masculine enough and all Mm -hmm. these other things. And it's, it's so important to the text. And so then the immediate next beat is arriving home and finding out that Dante is in the hospital, that he's been the victim of this hate crime. So it's like, boom, boom, boom. And then Mm -hmm. Ari has this moving conversation with Mr. Quintana, who's like, I don't understand why he didn't tell me. And Mm -hmm. Dante's like, he didn't want to disappoint you. And he's like, he wouldn't have disappointed me. And Dante's like, yeah, well, I, Ari's like, (laughs) I don't know that. that. But like, he didn't know that. And then Ari, in this total rage, tracks down, well, he first he tracks down the boy who Dante was kissing, who Ari mm-hmm. is disgusted by because he ran, um, which is <sighs> such is really a complicated tough. scene, like yeah. such a complicated scene. But from that conversation, he finds out who one of the boys was and he goes and attacks him. Mm-hmm. Breaks his nose. Yeah. And it's like this moment of, you know is he going to be Bernardo? Like, that's mm-hmm. the whole, that's what his parents are wondering. And in the in the unraveling of that, it's actually his dad who says to him, like, Dante's in love with you, Ari. Yep. And like, but more importantly, you're you're in love with Dante. Like, mm-hmm. you don't we save somebody's life. We can't let this life. silence extend yeah. anymore. We have to address it. I love that his parents basically say, we're going to out you because we yeah. already know you better than you know yourself. And, you know, just so much of this hit me really, really hard. Like I had difficulty coming out to my parents, even though I knew they loved me and I knew their reaction was probably going to be fine in a lot of the same ways that Dante did with his father. Mm. This idea that people know you're queer before you yourself are willing to admit it can also be really challenging. So this book is so definitely navigating really complicated issues of gender identity, and it's doing it in an A-plus fashion. Oh my God, it's so good. Anyway, obviously they end up together. They kiss in the truck in the desert and it's wonderful. (laughs) At this point, you're like, I almost don't even care because it feels like the (laughs) least significant development. You know it's coming. You know we'll get there. But also everything leading up to it is so much more satisfying. (laughs) Yes. But the last line of the book made me cry. The last line Mm -hmm. of the book is Ari saying, how could I ever have been ashamed to love Dante Quintana? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which they kept in the movie, which was good because it's so good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I think I texted you or I maybe just said to my husband, I was like, I need to stop reading these books first thing in the morning because it starts my day with bawling fits. Just so upset. So much crying. Oh, this book is so emotional, though. There's so many moments where you just... You just overcome. And it's not even always the sad moments. Like, it's often the happy moments. There's so much love in this book. Mm -hmm. I just... You have to read it, everybody. Like, we have not <laughs> done it justice. You have to read it. Everybody has to read it. It's so, so good. Well, the oddest thing, and I just heard myself say this on that Love Boat Type Hey episode where we anticipated we were going to be reading this next, was that I spent a lot of the first half of this book uncertain where we were going. In mm-hmm. some ways, it almost feels episodic. You know, yeah. I joked at the beginning that there almost isn't a plot. It's more of a mood. This is so perplexing to me because in a lot of ways, 
the book is so character driven as opposed to plot, even though Mm -hmm. you outlined a couple of very significant moments. And I think that's a really, really tricky thing to execute well. Yeah, I agree with you completely. It is very emotionally driven and not everybody has the same context of experiences, right? So Mm -hmm. the fact that, I don't know, the way that I believed in Ari's world so much and I Mm -hmm. cared so much about how he would, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, except that this book, like, there was every possibility that this would be the kind of book where we come to the episode, Joe, and we say, it was fine, but Mm -hmm. gosh, I wish we had another perspective in there. Like, gosh, we wish we had someone else's voice. Uh And I never felt that way in this book. Okay, that is interesting. When I was struggling to figure out where things were going, Mm. I did wonder whether the book would have benefited from Dante's perspective. Interesting. Very interesting. By the time I got to the end, I was happy to have not had that. But yeah, there were were two sort of, I don't want to say pain points or tension points, but there were things that rumbled in the back of my mind in the first half. And it was, yeah, wanting a little bit more from Dante's perspective because he was so much more emotionally open. Yeah, that's true. And then also getting slightly frustrated with the speed at which the Bernardo reveal happens. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like Ari literally finds an envelope that is marked Bernardo in his mom's <laughs> cabinet or dresser and then he doesn't open it for I want to say 70 more pages. <laughs> It's because he has this thing where he's like, I don't want to have snooped this information. I want Mm -hmm. them to have told me. Because Bernardo's not just about not knowing about Bernardo, although that's Mm -hmm. important to him. It's about the silences in the family. And so Mm -hmm. it's like when Ophelia dies and that first secret is revealed, it's almost like the outer shell of a Russian nesting doll of secrets. (laughs) And they all come tumbling out after that. And it Mm -hmm. happens so fast that you can't put the book down. You've read like 200 pages at a relatively leisurely pace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like things start to be revealed and you're like, well, I have to keep reading. And I was, (laughs) I was doing the like Sunday meal prep stuff around here. And I actually had my Kobo like on its little stand. And I was like Mm -hmm. reading while I was cooking because I needed to like. (laughs) I have to keep going right now. (laughs) To get through all the reveals. It's just wild because it shouldn't work this well. You know, even we've mentioned Antiphilia's death and the revelations that occur as a result. That shouldn't land because Anaphilia is not a character in this book. (laughs) She's not a person. In fact, we only learn about her really after. So Mm -hmm. just before she dies, Ari's mom goes to visit her. Mm -hmm. And when she goes, we get a little bit of narrative about how, like, I've been kind of a crappy nephew to Anaphilia. I used to call her all the time. I haven't called her in a while. Like, we get these little snippets, but, Uh like... Yeah, That's she's it. totally a non-character. And then she dies and you're like, but Antophilia, I love mm-hmm. you so much. It's <laughs> wild. I don't even know. In some ways, I feel so emotionally manipulated by the book. <laughs> but in the best way possible, I'm like, yes, just keep doing it. Work me over. I love it. <laughs> it's because it's so skillful, right? Like, we've talked before about these books that blend sort of YA genre tropes with mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say literary fiction tropes, but there is a lot of that going on here, right? Like Uh the recurrent motif of the birds, the ways in Mm -hmm. which sort of queerness intersects with Ari's life without him realizing it. Like 
all of that is really coming out of kind of like a lit fic tradition. Uh-huh. Even, you know, the way that we're introducing poetry oh, as yeah. a communication, but also a romantic device, right? You know, yeah. we literally have a boy reading another boy poetry to woo him. Yeah. Oh, I love it when they don't even know how to really talk to each other after the accident. And mm-hmm. so... Dante just comes over and starts like reading to him yep. and actually literature in general, right? Because that's mm-hmm. also how Ari and his dad bond is they sit in the same room and they read books and then they swap the books. Like they're not even reading yeah. out loud to each other. They're just reading the same sort of classic books. I love it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Well, why don't we transition over to the film and yeah. talk about what it gets right and a couple of things that we wish it had maybe done differently. Yeah, for sure. One summer night, I fell asleep, afraid that nothing in my family would ever change, and I'll feel alone forever. <laughs> hey, my name's Dante. Hey, my name's Aristotle. Everyone calls me Ari. Nice to meet you, Ari. I can teach you how to swing. I got you. Trust me. My parents want to prevent me from becoming my brother. You have a brother? He's in jail, so we don't talk about him. I met Dante. He's really sweet. Dante's my friend. And there's something different about you. I like it. How are you celebrating the beginning of summer? Do you ever analyze your parents? My dad is pretty weird. I brought you a gift. It's about Mexican art. I don't know if I can accept. I'm crazy about mine. (laughs) How do you put up with this guy? So, Dante says you're very smart. I'm not as smart as him. We're leaving for a year. What? Will we be friends when I come back from Chicago? Okay. So, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe is written and directed by Aich Alberto. From what I gathered, this is a bit of a debut, very well received. You know, she ends up on a lot of up-and-coming directors to watch lists as a result. This was first released at TIFF in September of 2022, and then it takes a full year to come. Again, not unlike Love and Taipei, this is just quietly... I don't want to say dumped, but I remember very little advertising for this. I think it played very limited theatrically. And unfortunately, it means not a lot of people know that this movie even exists. Did you see it at TIFF, Joe? I meant to, and I couldn't make it fit in the scheduling. And Mm -hmm. I knew that we would cover it one day. So that's fair. I figured I'd have another opportunity to check it out. That's fair. Okay, so we have Max Paleo as Ari. We have Reese Gonzalez as Dante. Eugenia Derbez as Hami. That's uh, Ari's father. Veronica Falcon as Liliana, his mother. We have Eva Longoria in an interesting bit of stunt casting as mm. Soledad. That's uh, Dante's mother. And then also Kevin Alejandro as Sam, his father. You wouldn't know this, but Kevin Alejandro was on True Blood for a number of years. So oh, he would okay. also be, he's like a TV version of stunt casting for the film. Sure. We have Isabella Gomez as Gina. That's <laughs> Ari's frustrating schoolmate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then we have a Luna Blaze as Elena. That is a name flip, but it's the girl that Ari ends up trying to make out with and eventually discovers he's actually not that interested, but also she has a boyfriend who's in a gang. And would kill him. And would kill him, yes. And then rounding out the ensemble, we have Marlene Forte as Tia. That is the equivalent of Antiphilia. So we have uh, two interesting people in the production team too, Joe, because callback to last week, maybe? Uh, Kira Sedgwick is one of the producers. Okay, okay. And another interesting producer is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Now, right, that makes sense. Lin-Manuel Miranda also reads the audiobook of oh. both editions. Uh, I think an audio award-winning read from him on those. Okay. And I found out about this book way back when it first came out in 2012 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because Lin-Manuel Miranda was like championing it on his Twitter. Hardcore. He's a big fan of this book, this writer. Um, And so, yeah, he's one of the producers on the film as well. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I was going to go into this conversation saying this is a very faithful book adaptation. And then as you were watching the film after me, I started to get this flurry of messages of (laughs) things that you were just like, they're not doing this. Why aren't they doing this? I'm not liking this. And I think for the most part, I would still make the argument it's a pretty faithful adaptation. This is, I think, another case where if you hadn't read the book, this movie would play very well. But if you have read the book, there's a couple of things that are just going to rub you the wrong way. Yeah. So I agree with you insofar as it's definitely a faithful adaptation from a plot perspective. There's no moments where you're like, why isn't X or Y in the film? And the ones Mm -hmm. that they cut, which obviously it's a 400-page book, like stuff gets cut. Stuff gets cut. (laughs) It makes sense. And they rearrange things and things move faster, all of Mm -hmm. which totally, yes, it's got to. Yeah. It's interesting because where I think it's not a faithful adaptation Mm -hmm. is on the vibe (laughs) And because it's such a vibes forward book, it bothered me probably more than it would in a different kind of book. And and really Uh what I didn't like was the book is very quiet uh, and everything is happening inside Aristotle's head. So obviously extremely difficult to adapt to the screen. Mm -hmm. But we are still doing voiceover. Yeah, we are, but we use it weirdly. And Mm -hmm. there's this whole sort of aspect of Ari's personality, as we've talked about, where there's internalized homophobia, but there's also just sort of an internalized fear of needing people or being in community or in connection with people. Mm -hmm. And that is entirely externalized in the film. We do not trust the audience to get it. So we are sledgehammering things. We really are. And as a result... There are moments in the film where Ari is just straight up cruel to Dante oh, yeah. in ways that never happen in the book. Like one of the things mm-hmm. that I think is so beautiful about the book is that all of Ari's anger towards Dante is internal. Yes. I mean, he gets cold to Dante, yes, but he never mm-hmm. lashes out at him. And no. it's one of the things that is... I mean, it's one of the things I think that's a really redeeming feature of his character is that he seems to recognize not on any kind of conscious level that the problems that he has with Dante's sexuality are about him, not about Dante. Whereas here we have him like 
oh, he says some really horrible things. And I just, I couldn't forgive him for them. Like, it was mm-hmm. so upsetting. And it changes your entire relationship to Ari's character and his arc. Or at least it did for yeah. me. I, I agree with you that if you hadn't read the book, there's nothing here that's not sort of, unfortunately, like, standard in the queer coming of age genre Mm -hmm. but what's so special about the book is that it is so different than what we usually read in a queer coming of drama right and so it was so nice to do something different in the book and then of course when that doesn't happen in the film it's more disappointing than it probably needed to be yeah that moment so there there's two big things that didn't work for me the first Mm -hmm. is what you just mentioned so when dante proposes that they try kissing each other because neither of them has kissed a boy before and how do you know that you don't like it if you haven't tried it which is such a a secret queer way of (laughs) trying to sneak in a kiss uh so they try it and Obviously, Ari is uncomfortable with what he feels or what he knows Dante is experiencing, and he ends up lashing out verbally. And as you said, very cruel. Like, it's it's gay slur, merging yeah. on gay panic. Yeah. And that doesn't ever happen in the book. So mm-hmm. immediately you're just like, okay, we need an apology scene. We need something significant here that's going to convince us that these two could even still speak to each other because it's so hurtful and instead what happens is we then get the gay bashing and it feels like such a film contrivance to up the stakes you know oh we just had this big fight but now i realize how important you are to me because you're in the hospital battered and blue yeah so that that didn't work for me, but I don't think it was quite, it's not a deal breaker, but it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. The one that didn't work for me is that we learn about Bernardo before we learn about the Antiphilia equivalent. Yeah. So the impact of Ari realizing that his aunt is queer and that he had all this time with her doesn't happen in the same way or even at all in the film because we don't have that moment where it's oh okay you went to live with Antophilia because mom had a breakdown over bernardo it was like bernardo went to jail for killing this trans woman and then oh also your aunt is dead and we don't ever address the fact that mom had a breakdown and that's why he went to live with her and why Antophilia is so special and so on and i get it that Again, if you hadn't read the book, you wouldn't even notice this. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking for it, it changes the nature of how Ari comes to accept himself and in a really significant way to me. It's also really important that in the book, queerness is actually framed by joy first in Mm -hmm. the book. So Antophilia is full of warm memories. Everything that he likes about Dante is Dante's queerness, right? The Mm -hmm. ways in which he does not fit into normal society, quote unquote, in 1987 is what he loves about Dante. And so everything is positive first about queerness. And then we get the complications of society's hatred, right? Mm -hmm. But like we meet queerness in the family first and it is met in positive terms because we meet antophilia before we learn about bernardo so switching that makes a big difference i think in general the film is much more interested in the dangers of or the dangers for queer bodies Mm -hmm. than the book is which isn't to say the book isn't interested obviously we have the hate crime occur Mm -hmm. but like i don't know if you noticed it joe or picked up on it the tv did you did you notice the tv in the yeah family 
so often is news about AIDS. Like, yeah. I counted three and I only started noticing it about halfway through. So I'm, mm-hmm. I suspect there were more. And obviously that's a significant Huge. detail for queer people. Like, In 1987. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the height of the AIDS epidemic. But also, again, it feels like the film not trusting its audience to understand how dangerous it was to be queer. Yeah. It's like we have to be told it and told it and told it. And that mm-hmm. undercuts the sense of sort of joy and possibility that lives in the book. Yeah. In the sequel, in Aristotle and Dante Dive into the Waters of the World, AIDS is much more of an issue because it's sort of almost age appropriately because now the boys are together and Mm -hmm. sex is on the table. And so now this is also like part of the conversation. Which makes sense. Yeah. Which totally makes sense. Whereas here, I get why they want us to remember. I get why that context is being put on the table. Mm -hmm. And especially because the target audience for this film, if it is, you know, queer youth, reminding them of that history like i get all of that but it does really change the tone the film is just a lot darker than the book to be honest it's a lot darker and i don't think for the better and again this could just be you and i appreciating not the levity but the hopeful optimism of the book right like (laughs) love is love and that's amazing in the book whereas the film seems very determined to say This is super scary for them. And sometimes without a point, like (laughs) when I noticed the news reports, I just thought, what is this actually adding to this film? You know, narratively, it's not really remarked upon. It's not as though any of the parents or any of the boys say, you know, like, get away from me with your queer cancer disease or, oh, this is going to be a problem for you. Like, maybe we're setting in motion things we would hope to explore in a sequel if we actually made the film. P.S. That's not happening. The film was well received, but it didn't perform financially at all. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It feels like an additional detail that, as you said, it helps the audience remember and contextualize it, but I don't think it benefits the film, and it feels like one detail too many. Yeah, I agree. I have two more points to make about Mm -hmm. the film. One is negative, but one is positive. Okay. Start with the negative, end with the positive. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So as we know, I'm obsessed with moms. (laughs) Right. Given a short shrift in this film. They really are. I'm really bummed out by the moms in this film. Particularly Ari's mom. Yeah. One of the things that I find so interesting about Ari's mom is that she's... I already talked about this obsession she has with education and the fact Mm -hmm. that she's a teacher and her desire to see sort of that representation and how exciting it is for her that there's a mexican-american professor at the local university like Mm -hmm. wild none of that is here none of that is here in fact it's never even articulated that ari's mom is a professional they Mm -hmm. don't say what she does but we only Mm -hmm. ever see her in the kitchen yep so ari spends a lot of time just sitting at the table with his mom while she's marking papers in the book Mm -hmm. and there's this real sense of like he says like at one point who would you be if you weren't a teacher and she's like well being a teacher is who I am, like, yeah. is really important to me. And and he sort of says, like, oh, you live and die by your students. And she's like, well, and you. Like, mm-hmm. there's this sort of notion of who she is as a mom is really wrapped up in who she is as a teacher. I can't 100%. imagine why that resonated with me, Joe. <laughs> it seems far off from your own experience, yes. <laughs> Wild. Um, so when we lose that, and in fact, we only really ever see her, as I say, in the kitchen. She often has an apron on. She's really sort of 
framed within the space of the house. Yeah, she's a very traditional depiction of not just a wife and a mother, but I would argue like when you think of a Mexican mom, you're supposed to think of this kind of depiction. And so we end up with this like two poles, right? It's like you can either be Dante's parents, cosmopolitan, professional, Mm -hmm. or you can be Ari's parents like and of course he's got the silent father which I don't even know if the Vietnam stuff really comes up not a ton no and you've got this mom who's like anchored in the kitchen and I think it's a shame because one of the things that Dante has to come to realize to the extent that we get to see that journey for him Mm -hmm. is that there are a million ways to be Mexican-American like he doesn't feel Mexican-American because he feels distanced from his culture because of his dad's job and the life that they've led Mm mm-hmm But when we have someone like Ari's mom who bridges the worlds, like that's hugely, that offers a lot to Dante. Yeah. Anyway, we get none of that because the parents are barely people. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big shame. And I would argue that the film is falling into some of the challenges that we've identified over the last five years doing this podcast when you've got this amazing text, but it is lengthy and you've Mm -hmm. got a bunch of characters and subplots. Obviously, as you said earlier, we're going to have to get rid of some of that in order to make the film work. But this feels like a classic example of just kind of shaving off some of the nuance and the complications within these characters. Mm -hmm. So the love story is first and foremost up front. And then these parents, because they don't get any of that rich backstory, they're just kind of there. Mm -hmm. And it's not bad. It's just... If you know what's missing, it feels like a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, I agree completely. It's a bummer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. In some ways, there was probably never a version of this adaptation that was going to make me happy. Like, And I try to be honest about that with myself when I sit down to watch it, but I still was so excited to see some of these characters come to life. And Mm -hmm. I do think there are things the film is doing well, but... Everybody has to read the book. You just just have to. It's just the law now. Um, Well, I'm hoping that your positive might be praising Max Paleo and Reese Gonzalez because I think their performances are spot on. So it wasn't, but I agree with you. (laughs) They are both fantastic. (laughs) And they do carry the film. Like, these are difficult roles. Mm -hmm. And they carry the film really well. They're very watchable. I think it's a first role for both of them or a first major role for both of them. It's interesting because I I felt particularly with Gonzalez as Dante, I was getting really strong Joe Locke, aka Charlie from Heartstopper vibes. Maybe it's just his affectation with the way that he kind of whispers some of his dialogue, but... Yeah, and his curly hair. (laughs) And the hair. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I do love the period aesthetic. This is so late 80s with the almost crop tops, not quite short shorts, but... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what was the thing you were going to praise then? Oh, okay. So I really love the choice that they made to bring Sarah Coleman on. So Sarah Coleman is the designer of the book. And if you've ever seen this book in a bookstore, it is Mm -hmm. like, it is extremely distinctive. Yes, it's very magical looking and it's different than anything else on the shelf. Like To the point where I didn't think it was realist YA. I actually thought it was about the two namesakes having a, a fantasy love affair. It kind of looks like it on the cover. I would read that, by the way. Um, I would also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's Sarah J. Coleman's book design. She's one of my favorite book designers. I think she does beautiful work in this, particularly in the YA space. They brought her back to design the opening and closing credits and also mm-hmm. the film poster. Okay. 
I think <laughs> in some ways it sets you up to expect the film to do more of the booky things because right. it is that sort of etherealness of the um of the it's design the mood <laughs> but i was really happy to see that aesthetic brought into the opening credits and the poster mm -hmm. like i think there's something really lovely about that and absolutely yeah and it does set a beautiful tone i think mm -hmm. that unfortunately the film doesn't always carry through but I was happy to see it at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I think that's my big takeaway. I think the film is perfectly serviceable. It yeah. has some really high moments. But overall, I just, I wanted to be more emotionally involved yeah. and or manipulated. And I just didn't really get that. I thought it was cute. But yeah. that was where it kind of ended for me. I did want to cry and I didn't cry. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was <laughs> ugly crying at the book. <laughs> There's parts in the book where I would start crying and not even really be sure why I was crying. <laughs> oh my god, you're describing my experience, Brenna. <laughs> I couldn't even put a finger on it. It's just like the mom would say something and I would just like tears on my cheeks. <laughs> I know. Everybody's so beautiful in the book. I don't know if we mentioned this, Joe, but people really need to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've even said that once. No. <laughs> Should we try to bingo it? Let's do it. Bingo! Not a good bingo. Okay, so obviously we have abuse. We have mm -hmm. abuse from Bernardo. We have the hate crime. There's actually quite a lot of violence underpinning the book. And when you yeah. when you think about it that way, you can see why the film decided to take the darker tone because it is there. It's just mm -hmm. for some reason it's not the thing that I walk away from the book holding on to. Absolutely not. Uh, we have a dead body in the form of Antophilia. Yeah. We have a female director. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. Yeah. I'm going to say that we have borrowed time in the book, even though the book sprawls as it does, because uh -huh. so much has to happen in the summers, right? And right. there's like this sort of vibe of like, I'm just killing time. Uh, well, and even when Dante goes to Chicago, yeah. there's the, okay, I'll be gone for this long, but then I will come back. Yeah. And we're waiting, waiting, yeah. mm -hmm. waiting. Um, we have a queer secondary character also in the form of Antophilia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have stunt casting, Ava Longoria, for yes. sure. Yes. And also the other person you mentioned whose name I immediately forgot. <laughs> you mean Kevin Alejandro? <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. I do love the name Alejandro is one of my favorite names ever. It's very pleasing to say. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so obviously the we didn't even talk about this, but Ari's truck is like Mm -hmm. a critical character <laughs> in yes. the book and we have many a road trip as a result mm -hmm. obviously good friendships like yes. really good friendships yeah sexual awakening oh, that's hugely. the whole crux of the book good point good point uh, i'm gonna say perfect date for yeah. when we drive out to the desert we'd yeah. strip down get wet in the rain <laughs> i mean I'm making it sound as though it's very salacious. It's you not. It's, it's almost not. euphoric, right? It's so boyish. It's, it's so, so boyish. not sexualized. It's so boyish. It's, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But then, of course, when you look back on it, you think, oh, okay. You know, yeah. I remember these kinds of experiences where you're just like, oh, yeah, knowing where I was going to go in some ways, that was a, oh, okay, I'm nearly nude with another boy. And it's boyish, but it also anticipate something in me yeah absolutely i'm gonna give one for musicality i really like the soundtrack of the film it's uh mm -hmm. not in your face the way some of our 
musicality squares have been. Um, yes. But it does set, it's particularly sets the period. And mm-hmm. uh, I had La Bamba stuck in my head all day yesterday. <laughs> I love that moment in the film where Ari just starts singing it and Yay. all of the people at the burger joint groan because he's clearly done it a billion <laughs> times. And there is that beautiful New Year's Eve scene in the book when they're at, at the job and they're mm-hmm. all singing like the top hits of 1987 at the yes. top of their lungs. And I just think like, oh my gosh, it's that's fun, great. It's right? so fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about it for me yeah i think so too i don't think we managed a line did we we did not we've got a good healthy amount but they're just not lining up in the right way yeah yeah oh well oh. it's not super tropey i mean it's just not no not in the way that you would expect no all right joe so we've been spending a lot of time with 17 year olds lately and we're mm-hmm. gonna do some more time with 17 year olds next week so we're looking at the edge of 17 the kelly freeman craig movie from 2016 Hmm. yeah and this will help to explain that kira sedwig comment that you made earlier yeah, sorry guys, we're we're recording out of order and well. Uh, you know, Brenna's away for the entire month of January. You had to expect some hiccups. Uh and if you're reading along with us, you'll want to be picking up well, I mean you're not gonna want to pick well. it up but, uh New Moon, Twilight Book Two by mm-hmm. Stephanie Meyer allegedly still Um, Meyer Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll be checking that one out with a special guest so stay tuned for that oh boy yes a return to the world of forks and not even like really a lot of shiny vampires because this is more about the werewolves (sighs) okay (laughs) Okay. well you know what at least we've got next week's text to discuss first so you've you've got a buffer brenna and if you want to get in touch with us about this or Twilight or anything else you hear on the show, you can find us at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. Joe, where do they find you? I can be reached at B, still my remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, that's Gray with an A. And of course, long-form emails are also always welcome if you want to hop into our mailbag. You can find us at HKHSPod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. I really loved this, Joe. I'm so glad we finally got to it. When I read it like a million years ago, I loved it so much. And I was just so, so happy to revisit it with you today. Yeah, it was nice to finally get an opportunity to check it out. And by which I mean forced to for the show because I never do anything (laughs) unless I'm forced to nowadays. But yeah, this has been on my watch list forever. So I was delighted to check it out and honestly so happy it actually lived up to the hype. Yay. I don't know if I mentioned this, but you should definitely read the book. (laughs) And until next time, folks, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. So I was going to go into this conversation by saying it's a very faithful book. So I was... (laughs) The book is very faithful to the book. Quiet, you. (laughs) We have Reese Gonzalez as his mother. Don't no. <laughs> Edge of Seventeen is next. Oh crap! So my thing about Kira Cedric makes no sense. No, it doesn't. I'm a week too early. That's fine. Oh, sorry. Don't worry about it.